of Pat and the Fat Man, where we talk about movies, sports, and whatever else comes into our little head. You know the one. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. Today, we're going to endeavor to talk about Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, that wonderful steaming pile of awesomeness. (laughs) All right, first impressions of the Fat Man. Without a doubt, the second worst movie in all of the Star Wars saga so far. With a note that the the only one we haven't seen yet is the very last one, which is coming out in like two months or a month. Yeah, and even that being said, of the eight movies we have, this is still number seven. Ironically, my least favorite is the number on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Batches. There's your sign, folks. <laughs> just a lot of the dialogue didn't have the right tempo to it, didn't have the right feel to it. You know, as, as we try to go through the movie, you can tell that the movie just jumps around a lot. <laughs> so there's not enough time to create the momentum for a lot of the non action storyline stuff. And then, in particular, the love stuff just did not work for me. Yeah, so so I would title this movie Star Wars Episode 2, Not Another Team, Attack of the Clones. <laughs> movie. Anakin Skywalker, the teenage years. Yeah. So whereas of the first movie, and obviously I can only recognize this stuff after being old, I can't recognize it while I'm watching it. <laughs> the first movie is a kid's movie, through and through. You know, there's a little bit of adult stuff in there, but everything is like super obvious. All the scheming, all, you know, the, the characters are obviously built for kids. It's a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. The second movie is like a teen B movie that you go to neck with your girlfriend. <laughs> this is, a, you know, not another teen movie movie. <laughs> That's all what it is. I would be impressed to find a teenage couple that would be able to neck through this movie because I mean, you and, it jumped around so much. They're teenagers. They're just saying you didn't neck to anything. <laughs> <laughs> right, but at that point, you're not going to see the movie to, to watch the movie. I mean, then you could just label that for any movie. I mean, it could be, you know, the house of a thousand corpses if your just intention is to go into a dark room and make out with somebody, you could literally be in that movie and making out with somebody. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So this movie comes with the wonderful uh, musical cues that let you know you're about to go into a scene you really don't want to watch. <laughs> and so you have like definite timing for your making out. <laughs> like, ah, the cheesy uh, sweeping romantic type music is playing. You know, good on you, John Williams. Sorry I got wasted on this. <laughs> now I need to turn away or shit my... And it's, you know, it, my cut of this movie when I watch it by myself not for review purposes is to typically hit the skip button when I hear that music because I know I don't really want to watch this scene it's going to be awkward and terrible however at the same time I will say upon watching it and then upon you know kind of labeling it in my mind okay this is a like a teen drama movie the awkward dialogue seems more in place it doesn't seem out of place anymore where at first I think, you know, it felt like super out of place because this was a Star Wars movie and like this love thing didn't make any sense and it was just badly played out and, and done. Now, like as a teen drama flick, yeah, no, solid. <laughs> <laughs> solid effort. Like, yeah, no, it would all be that awkward, even in real life. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> all right, see what it's 
start us off with the first opening scene? Oh, sure. So we start off with our ever-classic Star Wars crawl, mm-hmm. where they explain to us that the galaxy's on a brink of civil war, that a group of planets are threatening to separate from the Galactic Republic, being led by a man called Count Dooku. Which is just solidly a funny name. <laughs> Obviously made up while George was in the bathroom. <laughs> yep. Uh, and now Senator Amadala, previously known as Queen Amadala. I don't know if you would call this a promotion or what, but now Senator Amadala is on her way to Coruscant to cast a no vote for some piece of legislation. Yeah, you don't really get into how the Senate actually works. <laughs> <laughs> but basically something stating that the Republic would build an army. And she's voting against that, yeah. She's voting against that. She's leading a movement in the Senate to vote against it. Right. And then you have your classic open space scene. Well, okay, so before we get to that, we're coming out of that crawl thinking, WTF. <laughs> like, what happened? Like, you know, we ended the first movie and everybody seemed to be getting along and there was happiness and a big glowing ball and children singing. Everybody seemed to be happy. Now we're at the brink of civil war. Right. What the hell happened? <laughs> and as far as we know, it, it's the next day after the We don't know that 10 years had passed. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's no case for that. For like three scenes, <laughs> we got nothing. So, you know, as far as we know, overnight, just a bunch of people got pissed off. <laughs> yeah. They didn't like how the Gungans and the Nabooans got together. I'm going to leave the... <laughs> no, no, we're not letting those freaky little backwards talking people into our galaxy. <laughs> You realize they're already part of the guy. We're just like letting him in as, as being, no, no, we're out. So then, yeah, we got our open into spacing. And once again, we have the Naboo version of a Cadillac coming towards Coruscant. And this version of a Cadillac, it's like a space Escalade. <laughs> The Nubian version of the Nubian es- Yeah, Nubian Escalade. Yeah, what's a Nubian? <laughs> you know, totally discreet. Yes. <laughs> you know, except that it's completely covered in chrome. <laughs> Literally reflecting any light from anywhere in the galaxy. <laughs> Being escorted by two smaller versions of Nubian Cadillacs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We get to see Coruscant from space, which is pretty cool. Yeah. However, we do get the effect... And this is something I noticed both in this movie and in the second Matrix movie. And so I think it's more of a um, sign of the, the times, I guess. But the computer-generated graphics were less believable in this movie than they were in episode one. Uh-huh. For some reason, episode one, they looked sleeker. You know, they just looked better and more believable. In this one, there was, I don't know, more fuzziness to it. It didn't look quite right. We, we were... And I think that was because the technology had gotten to the point where they were willing to display it in places that weren't just, like, dark, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or or it, it wasn't just an addition to something real. It was the thing itself now. And I'm sure because of that, it didn't look as good. Well, you know, I think what they were kind of looking at is they were just trying it out on finished films just to see what the reaction would be. Because they were like, okay, we, we can do this, but we don't know how people are going to react to it. Like, how much 
they want like what we've done or they or what they wanted out of it you know right you know they weren't sure how to get the most out of the technology yeah so i i think that's why that a lot of that happened is because like ooh, new stuff let's see what we can do with it and what people want us to do with it yep it turned out not to look great <laughs> it looked better last time than this time but i think it's because they just used more of it this time right so the escalade comes to land on a platform and the two escort ships land next to it which is going to be important <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then you see the ramp come down from the Escalade, and as the people are descending the ramp, the ship explodes. Okay, well, slightly before that, there's a conversation between... Oh, right, between the new captain, new being Royal Guard captain, and another pilot that we don't see their face. Yeah, captain One-Eye. Right, Captain One-Eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And unknown pilot. Yeah. And then, yes, then explosion. Explosion. This is definitely not a kid's movie, because now we see a whole bunch of people die. I'm close. <laughs> and the real people. Then all of a sudden, the mask pilot starts running towards the scene and takes off the, the, the mask. And it's, surprise, Senator Amidala, because nobody saw that coming. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and admit that this this time, I, you know, I don't know if it caught me the first time I watched the movie, but definitely this time, I had forgotten about that. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the explosion startled me. Like, when the explosion happened, I was like, oh, yeah. Now I remember. But like when the explosion first happened, I was like, what the? Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, it's not like we haven't deployed this. Uh, this type of strategy for protecting the senator or slash Amadala in, in particular before. Yes, like the entirety of the first film. Right. <laughs> so the captain says, my lady, we gotta go. It's not safe for you here. She did her job. You know, now you must do yours. And we move on. Amadala's thinking, man, you're the lucky one. <laughs> <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta be in the rest of this movie. <laughs> so uh, then we, we get to intrude on a, um, a meeting between uh, Chancellor Palpatine and the Jedi Council, effectively. Or, you know, four of them, or three of them. You know, we get Sam Jackson, the Jedi, Yoda, and a uh, giant head guy. Oh, uh, yeah. Kiyadi Mundi. Yep. In this stage, still no idea how long it's been since the last movie, other than, obviously, the Queen's not the Queen anymore. That's pretty much your only indication. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, you know, now Yoda is CG. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's walking and doing his thing. You know, funny enough, I, I talked about the unbelievability of a lot of the CG in this movie. I did not find Yoda to be terribly unbelievable. Right. He was probably the most believable CG thing in the whole film. Him and R2, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I'll stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> so in this meeting, they talk about if the Separatists do leave the Republic... The Jedi wouldn't be able to protect the Republic because there aren't enough of them. That they're basically police officers. They, they're not soldiers. Mm-hmm. They finish the meeting. Yoda and the other Jedi Masters get up and start walking towards the door where Senator Amadala comes in. Yoda expresses his relief. Hey, you're not dead! Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was really sad when I heard you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> and increased security suggested. Amadala obviously doesn't like that idea. Yeah. But Palpatine's insistent, and that's where they bring up 
Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, perhaps an old friend. No, he doesn't actually say Anakin. He just says Obi-Wan. Right. How about an old friend? Maybe Master Kenobi. Kenobi. Right. So this to me, you know, I'm always kind of like, okay, what's Palpatine doing here? You know, obviously guy's a schemer. For all of us who have seen the later movies slash earlier movies, <laughs> you know, we, we know who Palpatine is in the long run, but if you've never seen those movies then there's no necessary direct connection between Palpatine and uh, and Sidious. Right. Or Palpatine being a force user or dark lord, but you know he's a schemer from the cues from the first movie because kids movie, so they were obvious. But the question to me is like, how, like, was he expecting this to come and just sort of maneuvered Kenobi and then Anakin into the same spot because he's been watching Anakin? Or was this kind of like, hey... You know, killing her didn't work. So let's try this. Because <laughs> she keeps not dying. I keep trying to kill her and it just doesn't work. <laughs> well, like, I, I think I mentioned this before off air. Palpatine, he accounts for everything. There's nothing that's not part of his plan. He's like, I totally saw that coming. You're like, did you really? And it's like, no, he just hedged all of his bets so that way, no matter what happens, he can divert down that path. <laughs> yeah, so I'm wondering, it's like, okay, this was like plan C or B. Like, plan A was her to die. Right. Of course she doesn't, because she never dies. So this was plan B. Right. I'm, but I'm wondering like how much of the subsequent stuff that happens between Amidala and Anakin is part of the plan, or is it something that just happens and he's like, oh, I can use this later <laughs> on. Because <laughs> this, I mean, this is honestly the, sto- the stone that gets the whole thing rolling, right? He's like, aha! Right, but he had to have known Anakin's kind of predilection towards Padme to begin with, so he creates a scenario where she needs help, and, you know, if Obi-Wan hadn't been available, he probably would have asked for him by name. That's true. Yeah. Just knowing the situation. I mean, yeah, sure, it was probably coincidence that they happened to be available, but even if they weren't, he would have probably requested that they pulled him for whatever assignment they were on to protect this. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so you may have to go into why you think Palpatine would know about how Anakin feels about Padme. Oh, well, because I mean, we know that he's, you know, a Sith Lord. So if I was just going blind, like, watching it do, I wouldn't know about their relationship at that point, but, you know, obviously, since I do, that he would have drawn all that stuff from him, that he would have, you know, fed through his feelings and through his mind and all that, because... Anakin doesn't suspect him at all about anything, so... Yeah, yeah, because we get later on that they have a a relationship. Right. It's like you said at the end of the... uh Oh, the first movie that he would be watching his career with great enthusiasm. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, I can't I can't not do that laugh. Alright, so where do we go from there? There goes to the elevator where we find our now aged Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. And while Obi-Wan Kenobi has obviously gotten older because he has a beard, right. Anakin has gotten older because he's, you know, three to four feet taller. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And way whinier. <laughs> and whininess is a sure sign. <laughs> and, you know, right off the bat, we get the, the first questions of, okay, so apparently I've missed a lot because Anakin starts talking about how nervous he is and how he's thought about her every single day and that sort of thing. Right, yeah. And kind of the setup for all that was in episode one where Padme helps this little kid out who doesn't have a place to stay in the ship and she helps him with the blanket and stuff and... He gives her that thing, whatever that is. Good luck, Charm. She is like his 
you know, female mom replacement, more or less, coming out of the first movie. And then you find out that that sort of just continued in his mind into now, where he's, I don't know, how old is he? Is he like 16 or 17 or? Well, it'll be 10 years. So, yeah, I guess about 16, 17. Okay. So he's in that range. Yeah. And then the conversation on the elevator. Talk about being nervous and. What else do they talk about? Oh, I think that's fine. <laughs> that's how memorable that scene is. I mean, like, I remember it, but I'm pretty sure that's just about it. <laughs> yeah. Obi-Wan's giving him pointers about minding his feelings. Right. So uh, they get up to the floor, the door is open, and who greets us? None other than Jar Jar Bleepin' Binks. <laughs> yeah, best character ever of all time. Most favorite, coolest guy. <laughs> Everybody loves him. Yay, Jar Jar. Shoot me in the face. But <laughs> he's super excited to see Annie. Yes. <laughs> And Obi. <laughs> yes. Greetings there. Introductions are made. You know, Obi-Wan, it's good to see you. Annie, my goodness, how you've grown. And then we go right into what I know you want to talk about. This <laughs> most awkward, like, and it's just such, like, for a Star Wars movie, it's terrible. But for, like, a Not Another Team movie, it's perfect. It's, you know, the stupid, awkward main character trying to get the girl greeting. But you've grown, too. Uh, 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 I mean, uh. Uh, uh, grown more beautiful. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, for for a senator. Uh, uh, I'll be back. I'll be right back. I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> and she'll be out in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, is better than them. Oh, it's wonderful to see you. <laughs> so after that awkward moment, they get to talking about her security. <laughs> yeah, security's like, it's more dangerous than she says. And then she's like, oh, I just need to know who's trying to, trying to kill me. And Obi-Wan says... You know, I'm just here to protect you. And then, of course, Anakin butts in, but I'll find your killer. <laughs> yes, I swear to you, we'll find your killer. And just, and just the Obi-Wan give him the, what the f***, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> well, looks like a bitch just stepped out of line. <laughs> and, and the movie did a good job of, like, escalating the, um, the tension in the room, because you see Amidala kind of looks at her security guys. The security guys, like, they're both, like, the two superpowers individuals appear to be arguing with each other. <laughs> Maybe we should just fade into the background. <laughs> I don't really think they were worried about their superpowers, you know, going up against each other. I think they were just more like, well, this is awkward. <laughs> Father and son are having a fight. <laughs> Yeah, you kind of have both aspects because I gotta imagine anyone in the Star Wars universe who is not a Jedi. Whenever a Jedi enters the room, you're just kind of like, ah, uh, I better be on my best behavior, otherwise this guy's gonna cut me in half. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, nobody's gonna look about it elsewise because he's a Jedi. <laughs> if you're a Jedi and you cut somebody in half, well, obviously you deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. Definitely the awkward father-son fight about it, which is funny. Which it, it's hilarious to me because you <laughs> you, you have Obi Wan arguing. We're not here to get into an investigation, right? Which is exactly what Obi Wan ends up doing. <laughs> and Anakin arguing that oh, well, just being secure. You know, we're overpowered for security. Obviously, we're supposed to be here to investigate. Which 
being security is all he ends up doing. Right. But that's per direction from the council, though. That's the difference. <laughs> it wasn't like they just ended up in it and it just that pretty natural flow. And Obi-Wan's, you know, argument is that those aren't our orders. <laughs> right. I just think that's funny that he's arguing for the thing he ends up doing, like against the thing he ends up doing. Right. <laughs> and also against the storyline that is way better than the other one. <laughs> right. Another one of those, hey, you beg too much for one thing and the grown-ups are going to not give you that one thing. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, what Alice says, you know, if merely your presence here, maybe we'll figure out who it is. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, I'm going to excuse myself. That, that fight was just too awkward. <laughs> <laughs> it's good seeing you, ultra-awkward Anakin. He's <laughs> <laughs> like some school books, just in case he gets a boner so he can hide it. <laughs> 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 or like American Dad do the, the awkward monkey walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they've got all those robes. <laughs> yeah, that's, why, that's why they got robes. It's the science fiction version of a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so where do we go from there? I'm pretty sure at that point it's then the meeting between Django and Zam. Yeah, this is the first time we get to meet a fat, right? Yes. Not, not a whole lot about him, just that he apparently is behind the assassin. Yeah, the assassin hired an assassin. Yes. So that second assassin is the one who mistakenly killed the decoy, the obvious decoy that's never been used before. <laughs> Hands her a mysterious jar, we don't know yet. Yes, it's got some sort of creature in it, and he said they're very poisonous. Yep. And that Django's employer is getting impatient. It almost takes his time. And then we move back to the apartment. So it's nighttime now. You see, what's his name? Obi-Wan. Wandering into the room. Straighten his robes. <laughs> hey there, sport. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> and Eddie can't say it. Everything's quiet as a tomb. Ha ha ha. And then Obi-Wan going, what's this? And Anakin explained, yeah, I think she covered up the cameras. I don't think she liked the idea of me watching. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, kid. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> and explaining that they're using her as bait, or while Anakin and her and Amidala are both using Amidala as, a, as bait for a trap. <laughs> And the arch is in there, and he'll, he'll see anything that moves, and that he can sense the whole room, yeah. And Obi-Wan's like, I don't know, your senses aren't as attuned as mine. I don't think he says it that way. I think he says it like, your senses aren't that good. It's not even just like, not as good as mine, it's just they're not that good. And Anakin's like, oh, and yours are, and he's like, possibly. Is this where Anakin talks about him thinking he his sword skills would rival um, Master Yoda's? No. No? No, no, no. That first gets brought up during the card chase by Obi-Wan, but this is the scene where they talk about the dreams. Oh, that's right, yes. About his mom. He's like, I don't dream, or I don't sleep as well. Uh, I've been having dreams, and Obi-Wan's like, because your mother, and this, that, and the other thing, and dreams pass, yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden, hey, something's going on. Oh, no. Then you, you see it pans to the outside of the apartment where a droid cuts a hole in the window, extends a tube into the room. Two worm-like things drop out, start crawling towards Amidala. The most badass worm-like things ever because they totally <laughs> recognize when R2 spots them and they, like, hide. <laughs> and they hide and they stay still. And then when he goes back to sleep, then they go after Amidala. So like, there's two things going on there. Number one, somehow they seem to know how to 
invade security systems, which is pretty cool. <laughs> number two, they know I had to go and immediately try and kill whatever happens to be living in the room. <laughs> which is not how predators normally act unless they're hungry. In general, they're going to leave stuff alone unless there's like motion or something. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, if they, they sense that there's something alive in the room, which, I mean, depending on how they perceive things, wouldn't be so hard. Still, I mean, pretty badass creatures. <laughs> Definitely not dumb worm things. Wasn't there something that Obi-Wan and Anakin were talking about? They come back to about the end of the dream thing. Mm-hmm. Anakin's like, I'd much rather dream about Padme. Obi-Wan's like, you know, your thoughts betray you. And, you know, careful. And she's a politician. You can't be trusted. And yada, yada, yada. Yeah, he's like, most of them are bad, but I think there's one, you know, two or three that are good. Chancellor Palpatine, I think he's a good man, and you kind of hear Obi-Wan trail off. And that's when the sense, I sense it too, and then they go charging into the room, and Anakin, with surgeon-like precision, with a massive laser sword, (laughs) (laughs) was able to (laughs) cut two worm-like, small worm-like creatures off of Padme. Yep. And now... (laughs) Despite all the talk of how reckless Anakin can be, not all the talk, but the, the insinuation that Anakin's reckless, mm-hmm. <laughs> Obi Wan goes all Leroy Jenkins jumping out the window and grabbing onto the probe <laughs> droid. No, they're like a million stories up because there's no way to tell. <laughs> Grabs a hold of the floating droid, which obviously only has a tiny engine on it, or somehow keeps him up and alive. <laughs> Not the first instance of I'm a Jedi, so I do what I want. Right. But there's definitely a lot more of that in this movie than there was in the first movie. Right. I do what I want. I do what I want. <laughs> Unless this Qui-Gon was the responsible adult. <laughs> yes. Now there's no longer a responsible adult. That's right. <laughs> You have a guy pretending to be a responsible adult and a guy who's definitely not either of those things. <laughs> right. So then we go to our first real action sequence of the movie. It's a chase scene. Uh, Obi-Wan is being dragged through the city while clutching to dear life to this probe droid. Anakin hops in and I assume steals a speeder. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know. He might have returned it. Oh, wait, no. Does it explode? Um, no. No, that's right. Obi-Wan lands it. So they could have returned it. Maybe they were just borrowing. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just put it this way. They take a random speeder. <laughs> yes, they randomly acquire a speeder. <laughs> Jedi business, man. I do what I want. I do what I want. <laughs> Wild, crazy chasing, some banter back and forth about Anakin's piloting skills and... The bounty hunter takes a pot shot at Obi-Wan after she sees him coming. Right. And it blows up the droid and he starts falling and lo and behold, Anakin is there to catch him because Jedi. Right. And there's some, you know, thanks for dropping in. I think I want to say that was said. If it wasn't said, then I feel like it was said. So I'm just going to say that it was said. (laughs) (laughs) More chasing. Funny line about Stanley power converters. Anakin following his Jedi senses, Obi-Wan going, hey, he went that way, scold, and then, of course, now it's Anakin's turn to go Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> she looks, excuse me, just jumps over the side. <laughs> yeah, excuse me, master. <laughs> Sucker! Of course, that was a no-no. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, Obi-Wan's like, I hate it when he does that. It's like, come on. <laughs> you just well, you did it. You literally just did it. You, <laughs> you're his teacher, and you literally just showed him to do it. Right. <laughs> now you're getting all complainous at about it. <laughs> Anakin, in true smart young 
same person fashion decides he's just going to tear this theater apart. Yeah, it makes sense to <laughs> While me. it's in midair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it just naturally comes crashing down. <laughs> so before that point, I mean, he's like trying to slice into it with the lightsaber to get shot out of his hand, more or less. And lucky for him, Obi-Wan's there to catch it. Right. <laughs> which becomes a thing later in the show. They crash land, and the bounty hunter runs off into a uh, nightclub. Right. Runs through the city for a while, and then runs into a nightclub. And then uh, yeah, Obi-Wan lands the speeder safely, which he's obviously going to return to the fine citizen. You <laughs> 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 seem really intent on making sure that point is made clear. <laughs> Come on, we don't want to sully the Jedi, Bruce. So you're a Jedi apologist, huh? <laughs> You start a slogan, back the saber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a pretty good slogan. Have you been like, you've been coming up with this for a while, Bruce? <laughs> Well, that's how idiotic it is. It just came up. <laughs> Back to saber. I like it. Let's do it. Thin blue line, you know, with the blue saber. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I don't think he's involved. I'll bring him into this. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so... The ever kind of foreshadowing joke is made, you know, well, first, uh, hey, protect this. This weapon is your life. Yep. Uh, why do I feel you're going to be the death of me? <laughs> <laughs> it totally is. Right. Wait, that's not funny. <laughs> uh, they go into the nightclub. I think he is a she. I think she is a shapeshifter. Changeling. Changeling. Yeah, I think that's what he called it. And then Obi-Wan goes to the bar. And probably the most... Notable scene in not oh, okay maybe not most notable but pretty notable scene in the the prequel trilogy. And you, know, you want to buy death sticks? No, I don't want to buy death sticks. <laughs> yes, the uh, the using my Jedi mind tricks to fix somebody's life. Right. <laughs> you want to go home and rethink your life? I'm going to go home and rethink my life. But you know, I'm pretty sure most police forces who had that ability would use it that way. <laughs> Just throw that out there. Just let's just rewire the dealer so they don't want to deal anymore. <laughs> they clean up the drug problem immediately, <laughs> and then followed by the scene where we find out that the uh, assassin has decided to sneak up behind uh, Obi Wan and try and shoot him. And Obi Wan pulls the lightsaber out, cuts his arm off, in true Obi Wan style, because that's what Obi Wan Kenobi does when he's in a bar. <laughs> yes, he sits in bars and gets drinks, and eventually somebody tries to shoot him, and he cuts their arm off. <laughs> you know, I, that's the vision I have of Obi-Wan Kenobi as he travels through the galaxy on, on his missions. He's like, ah, we're at such and such place. Here, Anakin, go take care of the thing we're here for. I'm going to go sit in this bar and wait. Wait for what, Master? Oh, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bunch of scumbags. I'm going to sit right over there. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, maybe I shouldn't make this connection yet because we haven't gotten to episode three yet. But there's a connection there, and I'll make it when we get there. <laughs> okay, but yeah, that's that's my vision of Obi Wan Kenobi. His, his galaxy, uh, galaxy flying arm cutting offer. Like that's what he does. That whenever they need somebody to lose an arm, <laughs> they call Obi Wan. <laughs> they call Obi Wan. Hey, what you do? Go to this bar and do your thing. And he's like, I got gotcha. you. I know what thing you're talking about. <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi, the limb taker. <laughs> Yeah, these are not the droids you're looking for. 
But <laughs> but your arm is. <laughs> so yeah, cut the cut the uh, changelings arm off and then drag him into the alley where they uh, berate him <laughs> or her or it or whatever it is. <laughs> Try to get information from the changeling and all of a sudden get shot with a dart to the neck by Jingo Fett, who escapes with his jetpack. Yeah, so part of me doesn't understand how and why he escaped. They obviously didn't let this thing go. They chased it quite a bit. And yet, when it gets killed, they don't chase Django. And he's not that far from them, and he flies with, like, a jetpack. I mean, seriously. <laughs> well, you gotta think about it like this, though. They just got done chopping a person's arm off, who ends up dying in the street outside a few minutes later. And then there's a crash speeder nearby, so it's like, yeah, there's gonna be some paperwork to do here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of paperwork. Get comfortable. <laughs> you know, they already got a beat on who it is. Like, they go, Okay, it's a guy in that armor. Okay, I'm sure we can track him down because it's not like everyone's wandering around wearing that armor. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to you. But still, I don't like it. Right? I kind of feel like Anakin would just be like, oh, official Jedi business. That's why we cut his arm off and left him for dead in an alley. <laughs> Want to buy some distance? <laughs> And I think that's going to do it for this episode of uh, Pat and the Fat Man. Next time on P and the FM. This, did I do that right? I, I'm going to go ahead and say I did it that right. <laughs> well, it essentially comes out to Pat FM. Yeah. Okay. Pat FM. Yeah. I like that. Right? <laughs> yeah. So next time on Pat FM, we'll be splitting the party following uh, Anakin and uh, Amidala on their wonderful love story. And Obi-Wan on the the most amazing piece of uh, of Jedi-ness that we get displayed in the whole movie series. Yeah. this is, At least in this part, George Lucas makes it easier for us to ignore things. Yeah. So, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man. Stay classy. May the Force be with you. Hey, Jedi get into rap battles so much. I hope somebody takes out this whole Jedi orders. It's gotten ridiculous. <laughs> yes, that was the Emperor's grand plan. It was, he was telling the Jedi to get off his lawn. We have to stop the rap battles. <laughs> An old white man telling, telling a bunch of other younger people to get off his lawn. <laughs>